is the Marmite Easter egg, the first Easter egg. Answer me this, answer me this. While they were up on the moon, did Mog stick it to Meg? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Beans, beans, good for your heart. The more you eat, the more you Photoshop us into pictures of beans, inspired by our chat about baked bean baths for charity in Answer Me This, episode 309. Oh, yeah. I'm almost slightly reluctant to even uh, talk about this because, uh, you know, it does have the possibility that we could be encouraging this to become a meme. A bean meme. Yeah, bean meme. Uh, it was a bit disturbing and a bit funny when we saw the first one, which was uh, me depicted in a kind of uh, naive Julian Opie kind of style mm. uh, in a bath of beans with one bean seductively dripping over my shoulder. And that was from Sally. Did you have beans on your nipples? Uh, No, I had one nipple on display. The other was obscured by an upturned leg. It's all about the coyness, isn't it? It is. I mean, look, it was a bit disturbing, but it was also very well done. Yes, very um, well done. My girlfriend, who is a graphic designer, pointed out that to create that many beans in a bath uh, graphically would have taken... 180 litres of beans, um, (laughs) as aforementioned. (laughs) Would have taken a long time. Listener Simon uh, made you look like Jack Nicholson hacking through the door in The Shining, but with beans instead of a door. But with beans instead of a door, that's a fair description. And and then followed up with one where all the beans were little versions of your face. With one Martin in a Where's Wally style. We've put a gallery up on our website. (laughs) Yes, answermethispodcast.com slash beans gallery. Hi, my name is Lizzie. I called exactly a month ago to say I've been made redundant. In uh, episode 308, for people who want to revise. So now two weeks into redundancy. And today, my long-term boyfriend broke up with me. So I didn't have any job or any partner. And I live with him. Helen and Ollie and Martin and Salma answer me this. What do I do? In fact, what do I do now? Oh, Lizzie. Oh, you're not fucked, Lizzie. I like the fact that even though the wound was so fresh, again, she called us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No time to heal, just uh, straight on the phone to tell us. I think our advice is similar to what we said when you lost your job. It's all about being positive, isn't yes. it? It's about, it's about establishing the next chapter. Yes. Although you know? And who, who likes books where the next chapter has all the same characters that are in the previous Good chapter? Point. Mm. Not me. I like a completely fresh cast of characters and for my protagonist to have a new job and a new partner in every chapter. Keeps it fresh, doesn't it? Yes, although probably for her own health, she needs to uh, mourn the relationship a bit. Oh, that's true. Rather than completely bury it with this uh, dazzling cast of new Dickensian fops (laughs) (laughs) designed to keep Ollie's interest. Yeah, yeah, actually, you're getting dangerously close to some real advice here, Helen, which of course is, yes, you're right, that uh, she's already kind of making light of this in a way by calling us about it, but actually she does need to mourn the relationship. She does need to, in a way, just accept she has lost her job, she has lost her partner. It's it's sort of all right to be a bit depressed for a while, isn't it? Maybe channel your emotion into song uh, and you could be the next Adele. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it's not ideal changing your job, romantic situation and living situation at once. But you were already sad about one of those things. So you might as well get the sadness about all three of those things out the way. Yes. In one go, rather than protractedly ruining more of your life. Killing three emotional birds with one devastating sledgehammer stone. Well done for making her feel better about her <laughs> scenario. Actually, Lizzie's pretty much in the same situation as the short hair Gwyneth Paltrow in Sliding Doors. Oh, oh yes. R- remind me. So she, She's a she, cool one. She caught her boyfriend cheating on the day she was sacked from her job okay. and so she had to move yes, out of their flat mm. and so she had to get a haircut and set herself up as a PR freelancer okay so the best thing that actually uh, Lizzie could do is uh, get with John Hannah get with John Hannah and listen to some aqua 
Lizzie, it's not all bad having to move house. As our next question from Penny in London illustrates, she says, I've recently moved house and I have been receiving the previous occupant's Tesco club card vouchers totaling about £15. There you are, Lizzie. Think about that. You could still be getting your ex-partner's Tesco club card vouchers delivered, huh? As as God closes one door, he opens a window (laughs) and throws money through it. Uh, I have no forwarding address for the previous occupant, so Ollie, answer me this. Can I use these vouchers or should I bin them? Why would you bin them? Yeah, exactly. What's the moral benefit to binning them? Well, the moral benefit to binning them could be a scenario whereby the person who's moved has, and I realise this is highly unlikely in anyone's actual life, prioritised within the first few weeks of moving that one of the most important things for them to change, along with the gas, the electricity, their mortgage and everything else... Voter registration. ...is, of course, the address on their Tesco club card. Uh, If they've been that efficient... Uh, then they may already have been sent duplicate vouchers. And by spending them, you might be preventing them from receiving those vouchers in the post. Oh, I see. So there is that small risk. But chances are, chances are, are. no one gives that much of a shit about their Tesco club card vouchers. Including you, because if you were really worried, you'd send them to Tesco's with a concerned letter accompanying it saying, please (laughs) track down this person, please. I think it is arguably a collateral damage of moving home these days. So the answer is, technically, you, you can't use these vouchers. Tesco say you can't. Do they have people's um, names on they them? They have the name on. Oh. When they scan them at the till, it actually says the name. So if if it does say, you know, Mr. Japudra Patel, and you're a white woman, mm. it will look slightly ridiculous. But uh, who's looking, especially at the robot checkouts? Gen- well, that's it. So the tip is, and I'm usually very against the robot checkouts. I know checkouts. you hate the robot As checkouts. As you know, I think, you know, it's Audrey 2 and we're all feeding the plants until uh, the machines take over. However, <laughs> um, that's very well reasoned, Dolly. Um, however, I think if you do go and use the robot checkouts, um, of course, no, literally no one is there to check the name. Technically, if you use a £7 coupon, it comes up as approval needed. The uh, teenager who is manning the four tills at once does not give any shits and will just say, yes, approval given. So you could spend them. The only thing is, though, opening other people's post is illegal. Eh. Yes, it is, though. Marketing messaging, though. though. Something that is clearly marketing messaging. No one's going to take you to court for that, are they? Joe in Seattle. And Helen and Ollie answer me this. How do you get all that kind of stuck-on, burnt-on grease off of a stovetop? I use two different solutions. Uh, the first is uh, going on Groupon and finding an oven cleaner to come over for about a tenner and do it for me. Oh no, you use slave labour? Yeah, I guess. Great. Yeah. Nice tip. Uh, the other uh, is the Polti Vaporettino Lux Steam Gun, available for £34.95 from John Lewis. Joe's in Seattle where they do not have John Lewis, although I'm sure that there are steam guns available. I- I'm sure there are. I'm sure this particular one is... I can vouch for it. You never see the scene in Robocop where he does the housework, but if you Don't. did, he'd be using the Polti Vaporettino Lux steam gun. No, he wouldn't, because he's probably already got a steam gun built in. Sure, and it's what I'm saying is it's made by Polti Vaporettino. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it is awesome. It's fun. I mean, it's the only way to make oven cleaning fun. Do you now steam everything, whether it needs it or not? No, because uh, it, it is a bit of a pain to, to heat up. Like, you have to plug it in and wait five minutes before yeah, you can use it. Yeah, but once you've heated it up for the oven, exactly. you think, well, maybe I'll just steam this toasted sandwich. Exactly. Maybe so I'll steam I, the cat. I mm. do do that. So what, once I've done the oven top cleaner, which I do like once a month, yeah. once it's plugged in, I do, I do things like I steam the outside of the kettle to clean it. Things have, are a bit unnecessary. Have you steamed yourself to emulate a posh bar at your own home? Um, <laughs> I think if it accidentally went directly in your eyes, it would probably disable you severely. So I, I, I haven't yeah, trusted myself. Below yeah, I could neck. have, but I haven't. Um, below the waist. Uh, but it's brilliant. Bit of bleach. Then wait five minutes, wait for the thing to, to heat up, then <laughs> and it just comes off. So if you don't want to fork out on your own steamer or use bleach, and your stove has a little rim around the stovetop, then you can just pour 
boiling water onto it and leave it for a bit and then the grease lifts up and then you kind of soak it up with a sponge and get rid of it really because that yeah. sounds like a sort of housewife's tale that's not really true like when people say for everything using lemon and vinegar bicarb yeah yeah no this is one this that really I found. works just hot water yeah leave it for a while I'm blowing my mind it's like when my dentist said to me do you use toothpaste every day this is so different to the commercials my dentist said to me like eh, do you use toothpaste every day <laughs> and i was like yeah he's like you don't have to you've got an electric toothbrush you can just use water sometimes hmm. blew my mind Wow. Apparently the brushing wow. is more important than the fluoride. The fluoride is just something you have to use oh, like once or twice a week. Fluoride's uh, just a okay. minor ingredient in the toothpaste, yeah. Dolly. It's, yeah, but, it, the, but it's the active ingredient, right? Yeah. But it's, it's the brushing that's the important thing. Yes. The speed mm. of the brushing in the water is fine to, to, to clean your teeth. But a large effect of the toothpaste, uh, as done by the mint, is making your mouth not smell like a dog's anus. Yes, but I use... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm being so brand-centric today, no. but I use oral Bree mouthwash as well. So I'm uh, delighted so, for you. So my mouth is always minty fresh. So that's not an issue for me. Yeah, but then you're still buying a thing, aren't you? I know, I'm just saying yeah. I was amazed that he, my dentist was recommending me not to use toothpaste. And actually, I think the toothpaste might help the brush move over your teeth with the greatest Maybe yeah. he likes dog's anus breath, Helen. Maybe he that's probably his does. thing. Yeah. yeah, in his job where it's so chemically, just wants something real. But um, generally, my solution to uh, grease on uh, any part of my stove is just wait for it to be burnt off by use. Does that ever happen? I just find that it gets further caked on. Uh, my mum's theory was uh, never to wash the grill pan, and uh, it seemed to work for her. Yeah, it worked for me until I caused a fire in my own oven. <laughs> you um, should have just kept at it. <laughs> the fire is when it's working. If you've got a question, email your question. To answer this podcast, Here's a question from James who says, Helen, answer me this. What is the etymology of brownie? As in the little pixie thing that the junior version of the guides is named after. Uh, is it racist? Or am I just assuming that because there are so many of them in the works of Enid Blyton? And then he says, Helen, I bet you were a brownie. I was a brownie. Yeah, a little cross-eyed, malcoordinated <laughs> brownie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you have breakfast for? I can't remember because although Baden Powell went to my school, so you'd think they'd be very heavily into this. Wow, the brownie, that's cool. Well, sort no, of. No, that is cool. Well, yeah, when you used to have ice cream on his birthday, as I think I've mentioned on the podcast you before, did, even yeah. though that's February, not a good ice cream time. Um, so even though ba- Baden Powell went to the school, the brownies were quite an informal brownie troop, mm. and they weren't that driven. I've got um, this, uh, I think, late 70s brownie guide handbook here that was mine. And um, there's a very hot drawing of the Queen. She doesn't look at all like the Queen. But, like, she's very doe-eyed. And uh, she has razor-sharp cheekbones. And and she has... um, She looks like Commander Makara. What is that uh, thing on the stick? Scepter. Yeah, she has a scepter sort of spiked through her head. It's a trick of perspective. Yeah, well, she's got a crown on one side, even though she's wearing the crown as well. An orb on the other, and a spectre through the middle. Like, it looks like a percentage sign with the queen in the middle. I'll put a picture on the website, yeah, that's fine. the easiest thing. Why would a brownie handbook from the late 70s have a guide to recognising the queen? Is it in case you stumble across her in the woods? Well, she doesn't even look like the queen, does she? She looks more like a young Princess Diana in that photo. She does, yeah. Presumably, because when you do meet the queen, you want to be prepared. Whereas <laughs> if you just barge past her, rather than offering to show her your badges or your sash, mm. or a pebble you just picked up in the woods on your nature trail, that would be a real opportunity missed. So I, I'm interested in your brownie experiences, Helen, but before we move on, mm. I need you to answer this question. Why are brownies called brownies? I've never thought yeah. about it before. Is it because they dress in brown? 
Uh, well, I, I thought that uh, was the case, and I wonder whether secretly it, it was, but the mythological explanation was. Well, when brownies were founded as the under-11s uh, subset of the Girl Guides in 1914, they were called the Rosebuds, which I think is a bit virginity-ish. Yes, it is a little. And, and the Rosebuds disliked this strongly, so in 1915... What, what Baden- do you mean the Rosebuds disliked it? The Rosebuds the actual did group not, themselves. They did not care for the name. Self-determined. Yes. So Baden-Powell changed uh, Rosebuds to brownies, and the given reason was... Uh, that it was after a fairy story from 1870 by Mrs. Ewing. You know Mrs. Ewing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some annoying children, after their mothers had a really busy day, she said, oh, dear, how different things were when we had a brownie. What is a brownie? Asked the children. The brownie, answered their mother, was a creature who came to the house before anyone was up and swept the hearth and lit the fire, drew the water and laid the breakfast table. He tidied the rooms, he weeded the garden, he cleaned the shoes and put the children's clothes away. Oh, so it could be a little bit racist. He did every kind of useful work, but nobody ever saw him. He always slipped away before the people of the house got up, but he was the greatest blessing to everyone. Everyone was happy and the home was bright and clean. So yeah, there's a bit of a servitude exactly. aspect to it. And also, interesting that you'd name a group of young girls after what after a domestic a, a, but a domestic man not even yes. aspiring to a female role model yes a woman, a woman either, could never you? do all those things without being heard <laughs> useless woman uh, so the kids go off and uh, find these uh, goblinish creatures what a shit fairy story and that's why there are so many pixies and imps and stuff in the brownies as well they're all named after these little creeps very well did you yeah. enjoy being a brownie yeah it was fine got to hang out with my friends what did you learn um, I learnt some of those uh, songs where you go round and sing the line after the last group of people. Campfires burning, campfires burning. Drawn no, we, did, we didn't have that because there weren't campfires at our brownies. That would have set fire to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I imagine your polyester skirts. Oh, God, the uniforms then. They were off. Like a floating turd. <laughs> or a pine cone. Maybe that's what brownies are really named after. God, I wouldn't be surprised. Baden Powell, like, yeah, all right, you can have your FEMO organisation, but uh, there's a sting Name in the tail. you after my crap. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I learned any transferable skills. I wonder whether I missed out then, because uh, it will not surprise you to know, bearing in mind my complete malcoordination and inability at sport and lack of enthusiasm for teams, yes, uh, that and, I was not a helping. scout. Um, although weirdly, we a cub. I wasn't a cub or a scout, but I weird, was a cub. Uh, weirdly, as I've got older, I have become more interested in all the things that the scouts do, you know. You've um, started wearing a woggle, haven't you? Camping, walking, dressing up, homoeroticism, all of that. I've got much more into <laughs> it as I've got older. Just last week... Um, a Cub Scout leader crashed into the lamppost outside my house. Good golly. Oh. Were they drunk? Well, I, I, I hope not, because they were looking after a crowd of Cub Scouts. Oh, they, were they in the Cub bus? Yeah. It was midnight. My girlfriend was looking out the window and said, that's weird. There's a troop of Cub Scouts walking past our front door. <laughs> dip, 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 dip. Which isn't something you expect to see. <laughs> in, Any odd jobs to do, mister? Uh, exactly. <laughs> at midnight on a Saturday in 2015. It's a bit like Village of the Damned. Um, so, of course, I looked out the window, and she indeed was correct. There was a, a troop of Cub Scouts walking past our door. And then the, the leader drove past in a jeep, pulled over and picked them up. And obviously they'd been on some sort of nighttime orientation exercise. You say obvious. They could have been off robbing something. It's possible. But we picked them up, shepherded them in the back and then pulled away and straight into the lamppost outside my house <laughs> um, and managed to knock the light out so it now doesn't oh. function anymore. Oh, so the lamppost was on? Yes. It wasn't just so you couldn't see the lamppost because it was dark? Yeah, no. Um, Drunk. Hidden in plain sight. And I thought two things. I thought, one... Can't be bothered to go out and help. Was that one of the things? Oh, no, he was fine. He just drove off, hit and run. But the two things I thought were, one, would I report a Cub Scout leader 
because I saw who it was. I didn't get the number yeah. plate, but I saw the car and I know where their base is. And you saw which badges he had. <laughs> uh, I thought, could I report a Cub Scout leader for yes. damaging council property? Because yeah. I'd feel a bit bad because they're sort of a charity, aren't they? And it, I'd feel a bit bad that they had to pay for it. Um, and then secondly, I thought, in a way, it's quite good he's not the light out because now we haven't got a yellow light coming through our window into our oh, bedroom. See, he did it for you. So I was sort so of altruistic. grateful. You're going to feel really happy about that until someone plays into your front room because the streetlights are out. Get the lamp fixed, but put a standard lamp-style lampshade on it. You know, one of the ones Ooh. with the little silk fringing. Look quite cool. It's a nice idea, but I need a cherry picker to get up there and change it. Yeah, well, you put, You'll put it tall. Yes, but I, as, as established, I'm not the kind of uh, hunting, fishing and shooting physique of man that, like, if I'd been in the scouts, I probably could climb a lamppost and put a lampshade on Stand it. Stand in the box. Get one of the cubs to shin up there and put it up. <laughs> like, right. he's got, he's got uh, yeah, penance should, to do. You should just phone them up and be like, I know what you did last summer. No. I was very surprised to read that... Uh, in 2015 still one in four eight-year-olds is in the brownies in the uk yeah that is a high number of eight-year-olds getting recruited into the brown army yeah i suppose as a parent it's like the perfect thing because it seems like something that you're doing to make your child sort of uh, morally uh, equipped and also you know learn things that they might use yeah. in the physical world when they're older it's seen as being a good thing to do and yet basically it gets the kid out of your hair for a few yes, hours it can go to the casino yeah <laughs> Exactly. Um, I, I always find it amusing when you read the stories about them trying to modernise the brownies and the scouts, though. Oh, yeah. Because um, I remember the brownie handbook after the one I've got here. It was like when they modernised Snap, Crackle and Pop and made them have 80s-style trainers on and like little spiked hair and things like that, rather than being the, uh, the, the 50s spivs that they were before. Because I'm, I'm all for inclusivity. Uh, yeah. And I imagine that some kids, like myself when I was young, who felt left out by this kind of activity, would now be more embraced by the scouts. Or yeah, because they probably teach coding there or hacking or well, something. Exactly. So, so some of the new badges they introduced last year, uh, disability. Right. You get a brownie badge in disability. What, what do you I, have to do? I, I imagine it's like helping old women in wheelchairs, but it might be just an understanding of other people's disabilities. Okay. Uh, space. You can get one in space. Is that respecting other people's personal space? <laughs> <laughs> if it was, I would never get that badge. Well, can you get a badge for having an intermission? Because if so, we're going to get one right now. And in preparation for the dropping of the next royal baby, which apparently is on the cards, here's a clip from the Answer Me This Jubilee album. One hour of regal material available now, along with all the other albums we've done and our first 170 episodes from AnswerMeThisStore.com. <laughs> Here's a question from Erin, who says, Following the royal wedding, uh, I fell into a short but shameful obsession with the world's royal families. You weren't the only one, it's fine. And began googling royal families for <laughs> eligible princes. Oh, God. Uh, whilst reading up on the line of succession for the Danish royal family, uh, I saw a picture of the Queen's coat of arms, as the, the Queen of Denmark, uh, which features quite prominently two giant men with clubs wearing shrubs as underwear. <laughs> there appears to be a bear preparing to fist a ram in the bottom left of that shield. Yeah, you know, that that's just Denmark. <laughs> I don't know why Erin is so struck by the Danish one when the UK one... Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's, it's got a unicorn on it. Yeah. Which is weirder than two normal human men that happen to be wearing leafy pants. <laughs> Listeners, if you fancy calling us with a question, then save the following number. 02081235877 Or you can Skype answer me this. Let's hear who's been in touch. My name's Lucy and I'm from Brighton. Helen and Ollie answer me this. I've just come out of the pub and had an epiphany. 
Is Jurassic Park the ballet a good idea? If so, should I dedicate all of my spare time and savings to this idea? Thanks. Yes, all of your time and all of your savings. Don't keep anything back. This could be the new Cats. Yeah, I'm sorry to break it to you, Lucy, but... uh, It's not been done, has it? Jurassic Park the ballet has already (laughs) been done. Um, <laughs> there, well, I don't know if it was ever staged. I wasn't curious enough to follow mm. the links, but there is an audition video posted to YouTube. People ballet dancing to da 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 da. That's actually a, quite a beautiful. It is song yeah. for dance. And actually, from that point of view, it's not such a ridiculous idea. A lot of people use movie soundtracks, don't they? Particularly mm. the work of John Williams as an introduction to classical music. And some of the movement of dinosaurs we've very well expressed balletically. No, that's where the I... The smaller dinosaurs. Yes, indeed. Like the raptors. That's where I... Yeah, I think the issue is there's a lot of stomping in Jurassic Park. Mm. Yeah, Gen- club dancers Gen- should do it. <laughs> Generally speaking... The uh, physique of uh, ballet dance is not really equipped for depicting water shaking, stomping. Well, I, can, I can imagine like a group of dancers representing like a single leg and sort of moving as a unit, thumping around. But no, you use timpani. You wouldn't have to be the footfall of the dancers. Yeah, the music would uh, change as as in the film. Starts light, gets more menacing. Maybe I'm just a bit jaded, uh, having mounted my own production at Edinburgh Festival a few years ago. I think the question you have to ask yourself uh, is not, is it a good idea that people might come to if I did it? But actually, beyond that, is it a good idea that a cigar-chomping showbiz executive might think is commercial? Because otherwise, actually, you're relying on state-subsidised arts organisations to back it. They're not going to back Jurassic Park the Ballet, because it's a shit idea. <laughs> so, so, well, how can you say that? So I, think it's an, I think it's not the worst idea. Well, I think it's quite a decent idea. I went to Edward Scissorhands the Ballet before Christmas, and that was absolutely magical. Yeah, but, right, OK, so that... Matthew Bourne Matthew could Bourne. do this Jurassic Park if he wanted to. It literally needs to be him. Jurassic Park, you know, it is intellectual property that belongs to a major film studio. Musicals and things are very expensive to mount anyway. Yeah, exactly. But if you've got to appease uh, Spielberg... Yeah. I don't think as well, if you think about the characters in Jurassic Park, they necessarily lend themselves to balletic depictions. No, the kids just run around screaming, don't they? Dickie Attenborough has a stick. Jeff Goldblum is... Jeff Goldblum, uh, he's, he's like seven foot tall. I mean, it's just none well, of these characters. Also, he's injured for half of it. The tubby one that is uh, trying to escape and instead gets killed. Yeah, not great. Laura Dern, though, that'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One character down. He's a, he's a chaotician, isn't he? Uh, Goldblum, he's a chaotician, so you could have people representing ca- fractals and chaos theory. That could be quite beautiful. A chaotician? Yeah, that's what he describes himself as. Thing. It's not really a thing, but it's... it's a Are you sure he says that? Because he's chewing yeah. gum almost the whole time and smiling oh, smugly. He could I'm be a, saying hey, anything. Hey, he I'm could a, actually say I'm a geographer and it would I'm just a, sound like chaotician. I'm a chaotician. I, I think there are probably some big films that could be successful ballets. Maybe Alien. <laughs> Bit of a... Padder between uh, Sigourney and the alien. Okay, yeah, alien four. Actually, how about this? Mm-hmm. Seriously. Okay. Home Alone. A no. ballet. Yeah, because you've got the wintry thing like Edward Scissorhands. So you've got because people book people who don't go to ballet book ballet as a Christmas treat. Yes, don't they? they do. Mm. So you've got the Christmas theme. Yeah. Um, and you've got slapstick, which would be funny. So then you've got True. comedy sequences, but also the sort of balletic way in which Kevin prances around the house setting up the traps. Versus mm. the clumsy robbers sort of coming in foot oh, by foot. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that could work quite well. Need more people on stage, though, than Macaulay Culkin and two robbers. Planes, trains and automobiles. That's, the, that's a classic Christmas film, and it has all these different forms of transport you could represent through, through dance. That would be brilliant. Would it? Yeah, would I'd, it, wa- I'd watch it. It's that. quite dialogue-heavy. That's there's, the there's challenge. A, there's quite a lot of slapstick. National Lampoon's Christmas <laughs> Vacation. Because when he gets blown up by that gas explosion, that would be a really big leap for the dancer. I'll tell you actually what would be the coup de tiat of Jurassic Park, the ballet. Yes. Uh, helicopter on stage. Now, I know Miss Saigon oh, has done it. On. 
But, you know, to be honest, that in itself seems to be the reason why people buy tickets for Miss Saigon. So it seems to me there is room for competition in that sphere. That's true. Ollie and I were once queuing for tickets at a theatre, at the theatre where Miss Saigon is now. The but Prince Edward. At the Prince Edward. But we were going to see Jersey Boys. And this was like a year or so before Miss Saigon was coming to stage. And the yeah. couple in front of us were like, well, we want tickets. But which side will the helicopter come in on? The ticket person was like, I don't know yet. I don't know, it's ages away. And they were like, yeah, but if it's the left, then we want to be sitting here. And if it's the right, we want to be sitting on the other side. Yeah, it really was a five-minute conversation about can we see the helicopter. Well, we only took in five minutes, but they were there before we got there. <laughs> they could have been there all day. I've since been to see the uh, revived production of Miss Saigon. Which side? Um, <laughs> if you are curious about booking it's tickets. It's all I want to know. Um, if you consider this a spoiler, just put your fingers in your ears for the next 10 seconds. Uh, in the revived version of Miss Saigon, the helicopter effect is more of an effect than a prop. Is it like shadow puppetry or something? Uh, it's basically massive fuck-off fans that blow wind in your face that go down from the top of the back of the stage to right. the bottom of the back of the stage. So you feel a helicopter taking off and you see lights in your face. Right. But you don't mm. necessarily see it in the same way that you used okay, to. So it's impressionistic. Uh, it is quite impressionistic. Nice. And there is a helicopter on stage, but the effect is all about the wind and therefore I don't think it matters mm. where you're sitting. So don't Good waste dip. your money trying to see the helicopter. Just sit in the middle and then you'll see it. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be fine. It's a question line. It's a Answer me this. Shh. Answer me this. I don't know nothing. It's such a palaver. It's a question line. It's a question line. Oh, two, oh, eight, one, two, three, five, eight, double, seven. Here's a question from Mike, who says, A famous series of television adverts were made for Hamlet cigars between 1966 and 1997. 1999, actually. Oh, sorry to be a bit sorry, pedantic. Mike. I, I, they weren't on telly then, they were just in the cinema. Uh, uh, but you were allowed to show tobacco ads in the cinema for a few years longer than, than on telly. Yeah, but maybe he's just talking about the television ads. Maybe, maybe. They, they, they went out with the major government. Like I say, I was being pedantic. He says, featuring Bark's air on a G-string yeah. and the tagline, Happiness is a cigar called Hamlet. Please answer me this. Is it true that one of them actually featured Jesus lighting up on the cross, but was banned after a few airings in the early 70s? The only references I can find are people who are commenting on a YouTube video of a compilation of other Hamlet ads, saying, oh, these were great. And then, do you remember the one in the 70s that got banned after a couple of viewings? I saw it and I couldn't believe it, da-da-da. I wonder, and I'm just putting this out there, I don't know. You reckon false memories? I think what might be the case is that they are misremembering what might have been a Kenny Everett parody. Uh, uh, because Kenny Everett used to parody the Hamlet cigar commercials. I remember that. I remember a Ross Abbott parody. Well, it was a popular well. trope, yes. yeah. And that is a joke that Kenny Everett would do, isn't it? it especially in the era of Life of Brian, you can imagine that yes. joke. So I just wonder if... I can't imagine any advertising agency in the 70s would think it was a good idea to do that. No, and in a purely practical sense, you couldn't show Jesus smoking it on the cross because how would he... Put the cigar in his mouth. Yeah, exactly. If he was holding it in his hand or lighting it, it's impossible. Although you need two he was, free hands for that. Yeah, although he was a miracle worker, so maybe he found a way. Yeah, but if that was his final miracle, a bit of a shit one. Yeah. You know, compared yeah, to water yeah, into wine. He seriously needs to prioritise. Also, I mean, generally, you know, health and safety-wise, you don't want to be smoking around wooden structures. Uh, yeah, but I think... Oh, if you're, God, yeah, the only thing worse than being crucified is being crucified on a fire, cross that's on fire. No, because I think that would uh, speed things up a bit. Because crucifixion, you're, you're drowning slowly... Um, as your lungs fill with fluid 
So maybe smoking is like the least of his problems in that scenario. Still, you know, he's introducing a further threat to his life, isn't he? Maybe that's why Amish people smoke pipes. You know, less open flame around the yeah, wood. But then the beards have to be very flammable. But the beards are flame, that's true. <laughs> um, it seems to me such a bizarre idea now that in our living memory, there was a time you could go to the cinema to watch a family film and be pitched tobacco and alcohol. But yeah. I remember, I remember going to watch family films in the 90s and there would be the Hamlet ads and there'd be a Smirnoff ad. Parents, you're going to need these to get you through the next two hours. <laughs> and it was seen as a kind of incursion of people's freedom of speech to remove them, whereas yeah. now it just seems not like Nanny State gone mad, but Nanny State being sensible to not show children those ads. I mean, it's astonishing um, just how people remember this campaign. I mean, I know it ran for 40 years, uh, but uh, it's been now 15 years since it was on. Um, it's advertising it's pernicious people still remember that slogan happiness is a cigar called hamlet which mm. actually you know when you consider the product is named after an anxiety stricken man going through an existential crisis after the death of his father you know it's not even a slogan that particularly you know should lodge in your brain is it yeah but hamlet in many ways is quite a lot like a smoker it's quite jittery he probably would like to have a smoke and go and like pace up and down outside the mm. castle walls I, I see the point but it, you know if you were saying right which shakespeare play gives me a sense of inner relaxation and well-being like a small cigar you wouldn't think hamlet which would you think though <sighs> A Shylock. <laughs> Troilus and Cressida. <laughs> yeah, I see your point. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose one of the romances, you know, something a bit a bit thin. What, like Midsummer Night's Dream? So probably Midsummer Night's Dream, Just yeah. go and smoke a bottom. You see the problem. <laughs> a puck. Yeah, it's just not you good. You look like you need a puck. You can see how that campaign would have played out. Another question of smoking. It's from Will in Oxford, who says... Helen, answer me this. Can you explain the origin of the post-coital cigarette? When did a cigarette become cinematic shorthand for these people just banged it's quite a difficult thing to google without either getting a lot of triple x sites or sites about lung cancer so i suppose surely one element of this is that just generally smoking was sold as sexy for many many years in fact most of its years and uh, also there were the freudian associations of uh, putting a uh, a cylindrical object in your mouth and, yeah and so before they showed actual sex on screen uh, the smoking suggested some kind of sensuality and release Due yes. attention to the mouth. I, it doesn't surprise me that at all that it comes from an, an era of Hollywood where all you could show was a kiss. So, of course, that's yeah. the way to, to, to demonstrate something happened. But I, I think it was based on real-life experience. Yeah, Very commonly, people had a cigarette after they, after they screwed each yeah, other. Yeah, but back in the day, um, before they started linking cigarettes to lots of diseases, um, people were smoking all the time. Wasn't it just that the time while they were having sex was the only time they weren't smoking? Yes. And yeah, even yeah. then, they probably were, but they couldn't show it on uh, the films yet. <laughs> um, but this was most probably because um, the tobacco companies were paying for product placement in uh, in films and um if you showed it happening right after sex then people would associate the smoking with pleasure yes and that association Mm. has been a very strong one yes and it's something you still see as a trope isn't it but it's something that's used now really by comedies in a knowing way i think it's like airplane or let up having had sex at some point of course that image is still going strong isn't it in in Mm. cartoons and in comedies but in dramas these days because they could still use it as shorthand but they don't, partly because it's a cliche, but partly because in dramas now, you are allowed to show a bit of Nookie, aren't you? It's the opposite situation to old Hollywood. So they do. They show 15 seconds of Brad Pitt's chest or Rosamund Pike's tits or whatever. It would be more on. controversial to show the smoking yeah, gen- generally. But, but also now smoking has a very strong period drama association. So in Mad Men, they'll smoke dozens of cigarettes in every episode because yeah. that's set in the 60s. Yeah. But oh. now it would seem, I suppose, um, uncharacteristic in modern life that you were trying to represent. Tarantino would have characters smoke in bed now, wouldn't uh, he? Yeah, of course he would. But then he loves the uh, references to the past. It would be a throwback to a specific film from the 70s that no one had seen. In researching this, I discovered a syndrome called postcoital tristesse, which is melancholy that washes over you 
postcoitally. It sounds like the name of an art installation, doesn't it? So um, I was wondering whether the postcoital cigarette trope is partly because the uh, people in life and people on the screen be shown to be doing something that isn't awkward silence postcoitally. Mm. It punctures the awkward silence, doesn't it? Because they are doing something, but they don't have to talk to each other when they're feeling the postcoital tristesse. This is uh, apparently originated by um, the ancient Greek doctor Galen, um, who like discovered the uh, the nervous system and the blood system and stuff. He said every animal is sad after coitus, except the human female and the rooster. <laughs> <laughs> Why are all Yao's fan sites just about one thing? The only way is up is not the only song she sings. What about Abandon Me? One true woman, all good thing going. Her single from 96. You should make your own Yaz site to fill in the gaps. Since you seem to think all the current Yaz sites are crap, go to squarespace.com, build your Yaz site, and put Yaz back on the map. The only way is up. Thank you, Squarespace, for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This and for allowing you listeners and us to build uh, fantastic websites without a great deal of difficulty. Oh, good God, yes, it's mm. easy. If mm. you want to create a website with Squarespace, all you do is go. You don't even put in your credit card. You can register for a free trial. You can get practicing building your site right now. Build a shop, build a portfolio, yeah. blog, gallery, whatever you like. click, whatever. And oh. then if you like it, then you pay for it. And if you pay for it, you get 10% off by using the code ANSWER. What's not to love? Unless I don't you have know. a crap website, which is difficult because Squarespace is good. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't build a crap website if you yeah, don't why like Why would them. you do that? Perverse. Hi, Helen and I. It's Bruce from Derbyshire Column. So answer me this. Why is it that bacon rushes are called bacon rushes? Slightly unclear etymology, Bruce, I'm afraid, but it's probably from the Middle English word rash, which meant to cut as same root as razor. Okay, but it's not... it's a slice of bacon. How long has the rasher been a thing? Well, this, uh, I think, it's 1590s. Wow. But before that, it was called a collop. Wow. Yeah, what what's a collop mean? A collop is a rasher of bacon. That's a fun word, though, isn't it? It's a great word. Collop doesn't sound appetising, does it? Well, not as rasher. Rasher sounds like rashes. Mm. It's not a word I tend to use, though, because it just doesn't seem to be essential. Well, if you yeah. were saying to me, though, go to the supermarket and get a packet of eight bacon what, what would you say? You would say the word, surely. Well, you yeah. say, you'd just say go and get a packet of bacon, wouldn't you? Yeah, but you wouldn't say go and get a packet of rashes even though rashes only pertains to bacon. That's true. So it's pretty much mm. pointless. You wouldn't say how many rashes of bacon would you like with your eggs? Yeah. I think you've just stumbled across a really interesting branding idea. Have I? Why has no one created chicken rashes? Well, they probably have. But I, know, they... I know they've done bacon and all that yeah. shit. But actually, like, not that it's meant to taste like bacon, but that cut applied to a different kind of meat. Yeah, lamb you... rashes. I'd try those. Oh, I have had lamb bacon and yeah. it is amazing. Is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. It but sounds good. On a chicken, you can't have that cut because they're configured differently. They are, yeah. You need the belly fat. Sarah from Kent says, uh, I love chicken flavour crisps. Weird. Yeah, I like them. Wait, really? Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> Rubbish. No, they're quantifiably not good. Better than eating dust, but if you're choosing flavours of crisps, they're yeah. in the bottom 10%. Better than prawn cocktail and salt Barely. and vinegar. Much better than salt and vinegar. They're no. equal no. to prawn cocktail. Salt and vinegar yeah. is a classic and you're a you dickhead. Can't, you can't handle my Sarah trip. says, I love chicken flavour crisps, Ugh. like Martin, who's a dickhead. But, Helen, answer me this. Exactly how much actual chicken is there in chicken flavour crisps? Is there any chicken at all 
on my packet of chicken hula hoops, it says roast chicken. Oh, I didn't know you could get roast chicken I hula didn't hoops. Either. How foul. Oh, that'd be lovely. Was, um, that a, was that a pun? It was, yeah. It was. I, actually, as I said it, I was aware of it, but I didn't think it was funny enough to remark upon, so I'm glad you filled that void. Martin is really letting himself down in this section. <laughs> uh, but, continues Sarah, on the packet of hula hoops, it doesn't actually say chicken in the ingredients. It says may contain egg. So it's got egg, but no chicken. And then she puts a, a question mark and an exclamation mark as if to indicate WTF. I haven't uh, checked the ingredients on roast chicken hula hoops because I refuse to believe those exist. <laughs> Uh, but I know that roast chicken walkers crisps exist and uh, they got into loads of trouble in 2013 when they introduced meat. actual meat yeah. into their flavourings. Whereas before they were vegetarian, so you think, why bother? Because it's probably not cheaper to have actual meat. Yeah. Why? Why? Because smoky bacon was something you could eat if you were halal, yeah. but you can't now because it's actually got bacon in it. Yeah, or it? kosher. So, but what is, the, what is the content? So now in Walker's chicken crisps, there is Devon free range dried chicken breast on the ingredients list. Yeah, but... But that is the 10th ingredient of the roast chicken seasoning subsection, which is the fourth biggest ingredient in the whole crisp. So yeah. the 10th ingredient of the flavouring. So that is, it's below paprika. Yeah. And um, it's way below salt, which paprika. is the predominant flavour. Yes, I was wondering if it was turmeric. I was wondering what made it yellow. It's paprika, isn't it? That's basically what you're yeah. tasting, isn't it? Yeah, well, you're tasting paprika below dried garlic, dried onion, dried yeast potassium chloride parsley i mean the thing is most of those walkers flavors don't taste remotely of what they're supposed to be anyway so it's it's no. such a it's, mm. a it's a marketing gimmick so they can say free range organic but actually you're not Just, buying it because no. of that you're buying it because it tastes like walkers roast chicken flavored crisps which, which never is tastes thing. anything like chicken because yeah. chicken doesn't taste that intensely of like, anything milk bottles don't taste of milk the foam shrimps don't taste of shrimp you wouldn't want the prawn cocktail crisps to actually taste of prawn cocktail because then you'd buy prawn crackers prawn cocktail crisps do not contain any prawn Oh, really? So they're still vegetarian. But bacon crisps and chicken crisps, they are ruined for you veggies. When you think about it, it's actually only really salt and salt and vinegar that are what they say they are. I mean, it's not flavouring, it is actually the topping. Good point. Here's another crisps question from Laurie from Bristol, who says, I'm on holiday with my girlfriend, and it has occurred to me that Walker's crisps are being referred to as Lay's. You must be having a fantastic holiday. Ollie, answer me this. Is Britain the only country that has Walker's? And if so, Why? Uh, yeah, it's boring, but yes, yes. Uh, Britain is the only country that has walkers, um, but it is all part of the same global conglomerate. Mm. Uh, and it is that uh, essentially the, the Lay's Corporation, which then became Frito Lay's, yes. which then became owned by Pepsi, uh, now own every major crisp manufacturer in the world. And, and in Britain, right. that was walkers, which they bought in 1989, but they didn't change the brand because uh, it was very well established here with uh, over 50% of the crisp market. Wow. Mm. But it's odd that the graphic of Lay's looks like walkers all over the world. Uh, it's not that odd. Frito Lay's bought walkers. One of the assets they bought was the logo, and they thought that the British logo was better than what they had in the States. On, their, really? on their Lay's yeah. crisps that mm. they already had. Yeah, right, so, they, okay. so, they, so they changed the logo all around the world to copy the british one why can't frito-lay bring themselves to sell cheetos in britain <laughs> well I, I can't answer you helen uh, why but <laughs> it's more of a primal scream than a question <laughs> i can't answer you but i'm quite glad that they don't because i'd be consuming a lot more oil you as would a have result. that yellow crack finger permanently wouldn't you would you care to guess how many packets of crisps a day the walkers site in leicester creates oh it's more than you think double it before you say 20 million six billion <laughs> Martin's got it in one. Well done, Martin. Six billion bags of crisps. <laughs> one every for minute. Every person that's, in the world. Just for you. Uh, you both overshot it, but then I'd oversold yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's your fault. It's double what I would have thought. 20,000. Four. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's 11 million. Okay. That's 11 lot. million bags of crisps so a day. So you told me to double it. I would have been very close if I hadn't listened to you. How many packets of crisps do you eat in your average year? 11 million. <laughs> <laughs> I eat about six bags of crisps a year. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but that's because you're on a no-carbs regime. Not really. I've always not been that fond of crisps. I mean, I like them. I'm glad they exist as part of the snacking ecosystem. 11 million bags are eaten every day, effectively, for them to be making mm. that many. 
amazing. Well, so there's one for every four men, for women, every child, child in the, the country. In the country. <laughs> well, I think that is a convenient point at which to end this episode of Answer Me This. But please do supply your questions for future episodes of Answer Me This via email, phone, and Skype. And our contact details are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com. Where remember you can see our gallery of uh, bean-based art. Do we really want to encourage more people to think? Oh. I'll Photoshop a picture of them in some beans. Yeah, it's it's tricky because like, bean khaki. I, on one hand, obviously not, and on the other hand, I am sort of curious to see what other creative things people can do involving our face and beans. That's not so much a challenge as a threat. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go, we should thank once again Squarespace for their sponsorship of this episode. Thank you very much, Squarespace. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.